I'm going to just give you a very simple message. I feel like sometimes in churches we overcomplicate things. And for me, when it comes to Resurrection Sunday, I, there's a part of me that wants to get into apologetics. I love apologetics. But like I said uh, Friday night when I was, I was preaching in Mansfield on Good Friday that, you know, there are over 31,000 verses in the Bible. But yet you can take like five verses about the thief. I mean, there's just five verses about the thief when he rebukes the other thief and he turns to Jesus and says, Lord, will you remember when you, when you come into your kingdom? And then Jesus answers back, you know, today you'll be with me in paradise. It's five verses that, to me, trump any type of theological caste system. You know, Arminianism, Calvinism, Pentecostalism. You know, it doesn't matter. It takes the back corner. Five verses that can change a person's life. Isn't it unbelievable that a person get up there and expound um, year after year, month after month, week after week, sermon after sermon. There's a collected library of Spurgeon sermons, uh, you know, that, that, that pastors read and study and try to, you know, recommunicate what he's shared. And yet maybe there's people that are not even being moved. And our churches all across America, very little salvations are being recorded. And like in our major cities, even. Churches that have been there for years that spend millions of dollars a year. Their budget is very expensive, and yet there's no one coming to Christ. And yet, it's amazing to me that you could take a, the gospel story and go show up to some homeless person on a street corner, give him a sandwich, and say, can I tell you some good news right now? I want to share you a story about this thief. And right there on that street corner, you can feel their belly and you can feel their soul and their spirit can become born again. That to me is so amazing, right? And I'm attracted to that. So today what I'm going to do is I'm just going to take Matthew 28, a portion of it, and I'm just going to read it and I'm just going to, what they call exposit, this scripture. But first I want to share with you this quote from Charles Colson. Who remembers Chuck Colson? He said this, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. That's just so good, right? Now, in Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10, uh, it's so powerful, and it just says this. It says, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, say suddenly. There was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus. How many know a lot of people are still looking for Jesus? Stop, Randy. I'm telling you, I'm giving away my commentary. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. 
And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I've told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to get the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for this, this privilege to gather today. Lord, I know right now that there are people that are gathering in caves in Indonesia. I know that there are people gathering in secret homes in Afghanistan and in caves right now. No air conditioner, speaking in whispers so they're not heard by neighbors. Father, I know that right now all across China, all throughout the night over there, and even the early morning hours, that they're gathering in every random place they can possibly think of or where your spirit guides them to so they can begin to celebrate and rejoice and weep for joy over the resurrection of our King. Thank you for our brothers and sisters in West Africa that are being hunted down by Muslims and slaughtered, chopped up with machetes because they cannot help but open up their mouth village after village, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ at the risk of their own lives. And God, that right here, to think that right here in Homer, Louisiana, that we also could gather with all of our own issues too. Some that are here that are here because they're still so desperate for you, in love with you, wrestling internally, with areas of their own lives, wanting desperately to be free, to be whole, and to really walk out their destiny. God, I thank you today as we celebrate our resurrected King. God, that you just release resurrection power in our lives to set us free, to release us into the call that you have on our life. Father, that we also were relentlessly and pursue others sharing the good news of the resurrection of our king we give you all the glory in jesus name amen it says here early on sunday morning and, and i'm just going to again this is my own commentary this is something for my own devotional life right here and i got so excited because i saw this right here say early Early, and I love this right here. It's like saying right off the bat, like, I don't know, I get this picture that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are saying, let's go. Hey, early, it's on now. We don't have to wait anymore. Not in the afternoon, not at nighttime. It's early, it's Sunday morning. Hey, it's the third day, just get it started right now. And I just wrote in here, I got so excited, I wrote, let's go, G-E-A-U-X, of course, because I'm from South Louisiana. Let's go, yeah, that's right. This is exciting here, say Early early so it's early that God said let's start the work now of redemption and resurrection all right because on good Friday how many know that darkness covered the earth there were so many things that were happening but now early on Sunday morning let's let's get moving right now and let's go and it says here as the new day was dawning and I got so excited again I had to stop myself because because of the resurrection early on guess what the new day was just beginning right then it was dawning right then now it is a brand new day it's not dawning anymore it is here and it's available even right now 
As the new day was dawning, the old day of the law, the old day of legalism, the old day of desperately wanting God but being unable to approach him or to access him. The old day, guess what? There was no blood that had been shed, and so he had also not had a glorified body. So you could not go before God the Father at all. But now that there is a new day dawning, sinner, prostitute, alcoholic, drug addict, businessman, atheist, agnostic, it doesn't matter who you are. He has made a way where we had access now to him. It's a new day dawning that the blood now speaks better things than that of righteous Abel. You can come here right now. We who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. There was a new day dawning where the Holy Spirit was now getting ready to get poured out. So now there was a different kind of season. Can you imagine this? At first, all of heaven, the angels had no idea what's going on. So they're all holding up. We don't see much activity. Last activity was when the angel Gabriel came to bring a message. And then when the angel showed up to minister to Jesus... And then on the Mount of Transfiguration. Other than that, that's it. The angels still didn't understand still what was going on. And now, I wonder if the angels even knew what was going to come in Acts chapter 2. So this new day was dawning. And they had no idea. Listen, even the disciples, the 500, which whittled down to 120. Do you think they had an idea of what was about to happen in Acts chapter 2? Absolutely not. This new day was dawning, and it was about to just release earthquakes and explosions of God's grace, goodness, mercy, and power on display. As the new day was dawning, as, say as, as it was dawning, there are so many things that happened that we can take this one word right here, as the new day was dawning. I don't know, I just feel like there's a verb in here somewhere, somehow. As there is something that's happening as the new day is dawning. It says Mary Magdalene and the other women went out to visit the, t- the tomb. And I'm going to come back to this in a minute. And it says here that the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone. Now you understand, Jesus did not need the stone to be rolled away because he could have walked right through it. This stone was rolled away to make this a public event now. And historically, it was a public event. Impossible for a person, but an angel rolls away the stone, and then not only that, but sits on side of it, sits on top of it. He says he sat on it. It had been very extremely difficult, number one, impossible for one man to move that stone. It would take a group of men. And for them to try to get up on this curved stone and sit on it would be near impossible as well. But the angel, God's angels sit on top of impossible situations too. Now, that wasn't even a commentary. How many know when you just read through the Bible and let the Holy Spirit speak and just read it devotionally, that's where so much comes out right here. All right, let's just keep going. So I love these right here. Then, So it says the guards shook with fear when they saw them. (laughs) They fell into a dead faint. And the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid. Now, I love this right here. The soldiers are freaking out, terrified. And we're probably just in fear, paralyzed and shook. And the angel didn't tell them not to be afraid. They needed to be afraid. (laughs) But he told the women, don't be afraid. I don't know, there's just so many things I feel like I could say right now. Listen, if if you are a hardened sinner and rebel towards God, you need to experience some fear. 
But when your heart begins to turn to the Lord, and if you're in defiance, then guess what? That fear, be well acquainted with it because it's only gonna get worse on that day. But when your heart just turns to the Lord, even with questions, you think these women knew? They didn't know what was going on. His answer comes to you, don't be afraid. I love these first words right here, don't be afraid. Then he says, I know you're looking for Jesus. Man, goodness, all of heaven knows what the deep heart of humanity is crying out for. We want Jesus. We want Jesus. I think of that scripture, it's this verse where this man says, sir, we would see Jesus. Just that little phrase right there, we would see Jesus. And it says here, it says, he isn't here, he's risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. I think this is very important. They're saying, hey, just like he said it was going to happen, you not catch it, just as he said it happened, this is what happened. Now, I'm going to tell you this, that I am a very spontaneous kind of guy, 100%. Um, I, uh, one time in my life, I had an administrative assistant. It was incredible. I remember my, my pastor said, we have to hire Randy a secretary, an administrative assistant, like immediately. Our church had just... It was just growing. Our youth ministry was exploding. And he said, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. I was 27 years old. I said, I get a secretary. And he said, yep, going to hire your secretary so she can tell you what to do. And I got so offended. I said, wait, no, I thought that's not how it worked. I said, I, I thought that I got to tell my secretary what to do. And he says, I'm sorry, you're right, Randy. Let me, let me help you here. I'm hiring you a secretary so that you can tell her what to tell you to do. <laughs> I wasn't understanding. You're the visionary. You're going to put it on the draw race board, but when you walk away, I know you'll forget everything that you dreamed of. She will have to write it down and remind you to go do the things you said you were going to do. <laughs> and so here, Jesus, how I many know he doesn't forget what he said? He doesn't forget what he said. He says here, he's risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. I don't know. I just get this thing. What else did Jesus say was going to happen? <laughs> he said he was going to return again. He said he would never leave us nor forsake us. Then you get into Revelations and, and you can see a whole lot of the things he said was going to happen. We have a window of opportunity right now. If you're alive, how many know you have a window of opportunity to turn to the Lord, to pursue him, not to live a lukewarm, stagnant life, not to lie to yourself? We have a limited amount of time. I can't help. I'm sorry. I got to go there too. The evangelist in me. We, we got to know we got a window of time, a sliver of time right now. And he's so full of mercy and grace and goodness that listen, when Paul stood before Festus, what did he say? It says that he warned him of righteousness, judgment to come and to live soberly. And Festus got so uncomfortable that he asked Paul to leave him until there was a more convenient time. We never hear a Festus coming to the Lord. We never hear, and as a matter of fact, he got re reassigned. And so that ended that series right there. But Paul knew exactly what to communicate to him. Righteousness, how many know we only righteous because of the blood of Jesus Christ? But he also warned him about sober, to live sober. And he talked to him about judgment to come. And, you know, I feel like the church today, we, we maybe have one of those three that we can actually walk in. We're either the righteous only, but there's no real coming judgment, and there's nothing about living sober, or we can be so extreme, judgment, 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 that we don't understand righteousness. Or we can just be sober living, which is only practical, practical, practical. How many of we need all three of these together? Ooh, man, I'm preaching today. I'm dropping bombs. All right. It says right here, and it goes on, and, and it says, the women quickly ran from the tomb. They gave him instructions. Look here, this is so, so powerful. He said, the angel says, now quickly, quickly. I love this. It's early in the morning. It's time to get this rolled. Now quickly go. 
Come on, let's hurry. It says that he told them, and now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And I love this, that the first preacher of the gospel is a woman. Well, these women here. And it says this, and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there. He's going ahead of you. You go tell him, but he's going ahead of you. Listen, there's something that God wants you to do. So go do it, but know this, that he's already gone before you in that thing. And he's going to meet you as you stay obedient and walk that course. Look what he says right here. Uh, remember what I've told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were frightened, but also filled with great joy. I'm going to tell you, that's, that's just real right now. I love this right here. Paul the apostle said this in 2 Corinthians. He said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Paul was very persuasive because he knew the terror of the Lord. Then he also says in the same chapter, the love of Christ constrains us. Paul had an incredible grasp of the fear of the Lord, the terror of the Lord, and the love of Christ. I mean, these are two power twins right here. And so it says they're frightened, but also filled with great joy. I don't know about you, but I can feel, when I get in the presence of God, there are times where I do, I feel, the, I feel my goodness, he is God. He is God, Right? And I think there's some times where we as the body of Christ said, listen, if we're going to begin to venture out and keep stepping across and, and, and insult the spirit of grace by our lifestyle, we're in dangerous territory. I want that fear of the Lord, but also love this right here. I, I, want, I want that joy in my life, that joy. See, I understand that he is God. He's not like me. He doesn't think like me. Well, I don't think God would do this. When a person says that, they're giving themselves away. The Bible says in Isaiah that God's thoughts are not your thoughts. So when a person says, well, I don't think, well, you're right. You're right, and God doesn't think that way. Well, I, my God wouldn't do this. That's because your God doesn't exist. Well, my God wouldn't do this, and my God, and, you know, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways aren't your ways. Well, I wouldn't do this. Well, you're not God. Look, look, when it comes to things that, 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 that I don't know how God decided to create man and woman. How did God create oxygen to come from the trees, right? I mean, come on, how carbon monoxide, all these different gravity. Another planets, I mean, how did he create this? If the sun were just a little further away or a little closer, it would be impossible to exist on this earth for humans. How did he set the sun, moon, stars in their place? How did he do this? How God created heaven, streets of gold, walls of jasper? Unbelievable. And then also this creative God to think when he says, I'm gonna create hell now as a place of torment and suffering. As creative as God is, I cannot imagine the horrors of hell. And all throughout humanity, people try to explain away what they don't feel comfortable with or what they don't understand. They're unbelievable. Okay, I'm just, that, that was all random. I don't know why I went there. So it says here that also filled with great joy. So they rushed to get the disciples, and as they went, <laughs> as they went, I love this. As say as. As the new day was dawning, look here, as they went, <laughs> this is just so good to me, Jesus met them. I don't know, I got this sense right here that Jesus is like, oh, I can't wait. Because <laughs> he was going ahead of them to Galilee. I, I don't know why, but didn't the angel say that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee? So Jesus shows up, he just meets them. I don't know about, but also a census where he met them in John 35, John 9, verse 35, there's this story where there's this man who got healed, and so his parents got called in because it was on the Sabbath, and the parents were afraid to get kicked out of the synagogue, 
and not only were they afraid they'd get kicked out of the synagogue, but they also knew that, that the man was old enough to answer for himself. So at least maybe he can get kicked out of the synagogue, but they wouldn't. So the man goes in there, and he just said, Jesus, yeah, he got healed. And they're like, well, where is he? He goes, oh, why, do you want to meet him too? <laughs> he was just, you know, he was innocent. But they kicked him out of the synagogue. In John 9, 35, it says this, when Jesus heard they kicked him out, he went and found him. <laughs> he finds the outcast. All right? Now, you got to understand this outcast wasn't an outcast because he was a rebel. He got kicked out because he got healed and because he was not afraid to say what happened. All right? So you can almost make it sound like Jesus just pursues the outcast. Listen, there are a lot of people that are outcasts because they don't fit in our circles. They don't fit, but they're hungry for God. They just don't know how to find him. They're, they've been kicked out, and it says this, that Jesus went and found him. It says they went, Jesus, he met them. And I love this. He meets them. Look, he's, he's, meeting, he's meeting Mary. Oh, I'm just going to, I got to stop. I got to stop. You ready? And he greeted them, and they ran to him. I love this. They ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus says, don't be afraid. It's the second time they get to hear this. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. <clears throat> now, I'm just going to highlight Mary Magdalene. And after I do, we're going to pray, and we're going to get ready for that Easter egg hunt. And it is still hot up in here. Who's still hot? However hot you might be, I'm hotter. <laughs> John 20, 11 through 18 says this. John 11, or John chapter 20, I'm sorry, 11 through 18. Mary, this is Mary Magdalene. <clears throat> who knows who Mary Magdalene was? Some say he cast multiple demons out of her. Seven demons, is that right? Also, she was caught in the act of adultery. And which meant that there had to be a male participant, but how come they didn't bring the man out there? This is the only sermon that Jesus ever wrote. Everything he said, he, he was public, right? He, he taught them from the, from the mount, you know, when the Beatitudes. He, he spoke in the synagogues, but they came and they threw her at the feet of Jesus. And it says, Jesus went down, the only sermon ever he wrote, and he just began to write on the ground. <laughs> and they said, Moses' law says to stone her, but what do you say? They don't understand they're talking to the man who is the word of God, who was, Moses was literally writing what Jesus was telling him to write by the Holy Spirit. Understand? So he knew all the deets of the whole thing, everything. It's funny, when you, when you have people read a book, and how many know people can kind of have different illusions over a movie, then you get with the writer, the director, and they can say, well, this is what actually that meant. This was my idea behind this person and that person. You can only capture a little bit. So they're sitting talking to Jesus, and Jesus just simply says, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. Woman, where are your accusers? None, Lord, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. We either give, neither do I condemn you, and we hold back, go and sin no more, or we neglect, neither do I condemn you, and only say, go sin no more. And I know we've heard this before, but go and, uh, neither do I condemn you, was the power and the grace to go and sin no more. All right, so it says, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying, the angels asked her, because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. 
Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabbanah, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I've seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. If I don't stop myself, I'm going to break this whole thing down again. All I can say is my heart is just so filled right now over how incredible God is and his, ah, I am doing it. I am doing it. Thank you, Zach. Just, I don't know why I do that. But as it's a cross, I'm going to say that. Yes, I'm going to copyright that. I don't know. I just love this right here. There's just no one like my Jesus. There's no one like my Jesus. My goodness. If you ever want to know what Jesus feels about humanity, look at this interaction right here with this woman who was a demon-possessed prostitute who got caught in the act of adultery and thrown mercilessly at the feet of Jesus to try to test him at her shame and mockery. She got no shame from Jesus whatsoever. And not that, but here's this woman. Why is she at the tomb and where's everybody else? Now you begin to grab different stories. The gospel shows, these four gospels shows different aspects and pictures. So you get the full picture right here. If we had time, we'd break down like the 11 different appearances of Jesus that happened, you know, in his resurrection as he was leading up to it till he was ascended into heaven. But we have this picture here. Here is this Mary. I'm gonna tell you this, that, a person who's really been delivered, a person who's run head fast into the love of Christ, a person who's been able to look into those eyes. I want to know what she saw in his eyes when she was laying there on the ground. She looked up, and she reaches over and grabs his feet. I wonder what she saw. I wonder what she came into contact with on that day. I want to meet that love. I cannot wait for the day that I get to see our Lord in his resurrected body. And I'm sure, like he even told John not to be afraid, I'm sure he's going to have to tell us not to be afraid too. The most manly, masculine, bowed up dude will crumble like a sack of potatoes when he sees Jesus Christ, the only thing I come up with, as he falls to the ground before Christ. And he's probably going to have to hear those words, hey, don't be afraid. As that big bowed up dude just begins to weep like a baby, just trying to grab a hold of his precious feet. Amen. And he takes, listen, he takes the immoral, the bankrupt, the utterly confused and depressed, the confused, the outcast, the very wealthy people who are conflicted on the inside because they're empty. He takes black people and white people, Hispanics and Asians, and he makes every one of us one in him. Just no one like him. Amen? There are a number of things that Claiborne Parish needs. A number of things that need to be overhauled in Claiborne Parish. But the first and most important thing that Claiborne Parish needs is to have an experience with the presence of God. Needs to hear the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ that brings true, real, and eternal transformation. So we need more than Absolutely anything else first. Then, once we do, by the grace of God, sons and daughters of the King that are able to grow in Christ, commune with Him, dig into the Word of God, 
then we can help one another begin to walk out, grow in Christ, change, overcome, because we already know this. There's some things in life that you, you just can't do it by yourself. You need somebody to come with you and agree with you, amen, to be accountable to, not so they can control you, but just to humble yourself and say, I need you to pray for me where you're not criticized and you're not shamed because you can be vulnerable and real and open. Take the mask off and say, I am, I'm a Christ lover. <laughs> I need help right now. Help me. Help me. What do I need to do? Amen. Come on, let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you're so merciful. You're so good to us. God, we just love you. We just love you. I wish there was a way that we could just feel just even just a portion, just a tiny fraction of a percent of the great joy you have over your creation, the excitement early, early on Sunday morning. It was on. Thank you that early this morning for us, you never sleep, you don't slumber. Before we even woke up, you'd already established that this day would begin with new mercies because your word says that your mercies are new every morning. God, I pray that you would allow us to hear in this house to understand and sense and feel You smiling over us. God, I'm thinking about the different people in the congregation right now. My desire is that they would just, they would know you. Listen, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm, I'm gonna do this right now. And it, this is the beginning. This is the entrance point right here. We, we, we don't need to try Jesus. We just need to submit and surrender to him. You get a picture right here. Look at this Lord right here. When you're looking through the scriptures, look what he's doing. Look at how he pursues. Look at how he just lavishes on us. And right now, the Bible says this, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What is salvation? What does it mean to be born again? What does it mean to be a Christian? You know what it means to be a Christian is this right here, is that you recognized that we're incapable of being right with God and our own strength, but Jesus took upon himself our sins and became our substitute. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you're here and you don't know the Lord, you're not right with God. Maybe there's some things that need to be lined out in your life. Religion says, go fix all those things, and then, we'll, then maybe you can get to heaven. Jesus says, you can't fix those things, so just come to me. First, Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29, Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're here and you're like, I need Jesus, I need salvation. I just want to follow. It's, people think this, it can't be this simple. It can't be this easy. It was brutal on him so that it could be easy for you. The most difficult thing you will do is to humble your, yourself and say, I surrender. That's it. 